0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. We are
1: the only uh, vending machine in uh, in Birmingham uh, that distributes, or when you push the button, a particular kind of Coke product comes out. Can you guess what it is? Say you know. Now let's talk about your biblical knowledge. (laughs) Uh, uh, The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for calling us uh, together as your people. And Lord, that indeed you would accept our uh, offering of uh, praise and thanksgiving, uh, Lord, in response to what you have done through your Son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf, and we do ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to take the next three weeks taking a break from the articles, uh, and we'll get back into that in uh, in November. Uh, no, that's not true. We'll, we'll be back in that in October, and uh, let me just say that... Um, in October, we're actually going to be doing a sermon series on the solas each Sunday. And uh, actually, Timothy George will be taking one of those uh, from Beast and Divinity School. He'll be with us the Sunday before uh, Reformation Day, which I think is the 29th this year. So that would put him here at the Advent at the 22nd. Don and Richard, can you hear me back there? You can, all right. We got a new sound system in here too. So, so there you go. So if you still can't hear... Um, I've got a lot of good doctors uh, that, that can help work that out. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, we are going to have a, a sort of Reformation Oktoberfest rally. Uh, we're in the process of having it at a local brewery, and they're actually uh, brewing a beer for the advent. Uh, and, uh, and there is uh, a little bit of an underground competition going on uh, for the naming of the beer, and uh, those of you who are involved in that, you're very clever. Uh, and uh, so uh, that, uh, that will be happening, and uh, we'll be reading uh, some of Martin Luther's uh, more earthy things. Uh, and, uh, you know, Luther had a real way with words, and if you've ever actually read uh, some of his correspondence or the way that he would speak about people, at times it was frankly unchristian. And so uh, one of his favorite phrases is he said that you, uh, speaking of anybody who was against him, uh, and this is really inappropriate, but he said it, uh, he said, uh, you are like mouse turds in the salt shaker. Uh, and uh, and so, so we'll be talking a little bit about that side of Luther uh, when, uh, when we gather. So stay tuned, stay tuned for that. But for the next three weeks, uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, our visioning process here at the Advent uh, it's, it's been going on for a little bit now, not quite a year, um, and you can go back to one of my uh, previous classes where I decided to stop and address the issues uh, as to why uh, we started our visioning process. Uh, but to suffice it to say, I'll give you the Reader's Digest. Um, uh, yes? Well, I don't know how to do that. Hey, Brandon Bennett, you're, you're a millennial. Come up here and help me. Volume. Volume. <laughs> let's see is that is that that's working is that it All right. it's all the way cranked up so get ready to rock okay okay how's that Lauren okay okay Don and Richard said they could hear fine good grief okay Uh, so um, i I was challenged because one of the things that we would do at the advent is we would look at our statistic our numbers our statistics for things like average Sunday attendance and all the other things that we do around here. Uh, We would look on them uh, on an annual basis, so year to year we would keep track of that. And I realized that's actually not the way to look at it, uh, that it needed to be looked at over a 10-year period decadently to give us a bigger picture of, of where we are. And as busy and as wonderful as the Advent is, what we found is that the Advent was actually on a plateau headed toward decline statistically. Uh, now, um, I've been dean and rector for almost four years. Can you believe it? Uh, I made it this long. Uh, and, uh, and so after the first two years, uh, we were in an uptick. We were in an uptick, and our numbers actually were getting to the point where they are, in some areas, the highest they've ever been. And so we thought, okay, uh, But we should take a look at why we do what we do and gather some parishioners, and lots of parishioners have been involved in this. Uh, Many of you are in here this morning, and to really uh, look and see what God might be calling us to do uh, in the future. And uh, so we really came at it uh, from a a position of awareness, uh, we had, I think, a good self-understanding Uh, of uh, where we were and who we were and what we were about. Uh, And we were coming from it because of the statistical upswing uh, from a position of strength. And if you get your little affirmation uh, of purpose uh, book, if you haven't picked up these booklets, I hope that you will, uh, what you will find uh, in uh, the words of one of our former senior wardens when we gather them together is that there's no there there. Like, I'm I'm looking at this and I agree with everything, which actually makes me nervous because it makes me feel like there's a Trojan horse somewhere to sneak something in. What is it? Well, there isn't one. Uh, If anything, what this process has uh, really, uh, we kind of knew we were headed in this direction, but was really affirmed is onward and upward. Uh, We keep on keeping on in the way that we have at the Advent for the past nearly 150 years. I see Alice Balsher out there, because there is one typo, and I caught it, and it says our 135-year history when we've been here for 145 uh, years. Uh, So uh, I bring that up so that you don't rub it in my face uh, when uh, the the nerds like me amongst you find that flaw. So this morning, uh, we are going to talk about uh, worship and communication The next week, we'll talk about shepherding and outreach, and then uh, the last week, we'll talk about uh, discipleship and ministry development. And as you might expect, there's a whole lot of overlap amongst all of them, uh, which is a really good thing, uh, because in a big church, one of the things that you have to guard mightily against is siloing off. So the youth ministry is kind of over here doing their own thing, and the music ministry is over here doing their own thing, and pastoral care is over here doing their own thing, uh, and really not understanding your place in the whole of the system. Uh, And when uh, Frank Limehouse announced his retirement, uh, I went out to lunch with some guys, and they said, well, what do you think the Advent needs? And and I said, well, I think what the Advent needs is, one, the person can't be a micromanager because it's just too big and impossible to, to run the Advent that way. I said, but also you need somebody who actually can make sense of all that's going on and be able to make sense of all the balls that are up in the air at any given time, uh, but you decided to hire me instead. Uh, so, um, and we've got a really, really great team. I, mean, I think that's one of the things that has come out of this, too, is a real deep appreciation and uh, respect uh, for the folks uh, that we've called here uh, to serve in full time ministry, uh, from the clergy uh, down to, uh, well, everybody, uh, really. Uh, and um, just, you know, folks like Cameron Cole. I mean, I can't talk uh, enough uh, about Cameron to the point that our youth ministry is recognized internationally as a standard bearer. Some of you are aware that there's an association uh, that puts on conferences, really big conferences, where thousands go every year called the Gospel Coalition. In the Gospel Coalition's youth ministry segment, their program, what they sort of point to, this is the Gospel Coalition's youth ministry webpage, is what? Rooted. That comes out of the Advent. Uh, So it's a real testimony uh, to what God is doing uh, in uh, in this place. Let me say a couple things before we get into uh, worship, which really I know is going to be, uh, for some of you, of significant interest. One, I don't like that word. And here's why I don't like that word, because it's a little bit misleading. So when I say worship, what are the things that you think of? Trudy? Services, right? Services, which is really funny, because if you're driving along the road in England, there's going to be a billboard that says what? Services. And what does that mean? There's a toilet that you can use uh, off the side of the road. So we provide services. Um, What else? If I said, let's stand and worship the Lord. Yeah, you're going to think we're going to sing. So the Bible actually talks about worship in two ways. Uh, it talks about uh, temple worship in the Old Testament, and it talks about our heavenly worship. Now, if you read Revelation or Hebrews, this idea of the church gathered together up in heaven, worshiping before the throne, right? And the problem is, is that. The Greek and the Hebrew words that are used to talk about worship are varied, but we really only have one English word, and that is worship. We also have words like sacrifice. We have words like praise, Uh, but they've all been kind of conflated into one thing. And so I actually don't have an answer for what we ought to call our Sunday morning gatherings. Uh, But we actually, what is, because when we come on Sunday mornings together, what are we there to do? Worship, right? But we got to figure out what in the world that means. Glorify. Well, how about the cheat sheet? I'll give you a little cheat sheet. If you have your bulletin from 9 o'clock, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, to do what? To render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at His hands, to set forth His most worthy praise to hear His Holy Word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others, those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so right before we begin morning prayer, we say, this is what we are here to do. Now, one of the things that often gets lost is, uh, dearly beloved, we have come together. Because I want you to look, we are here to render thanks for the great benefits, right? We're to set forth His most worthy praise, to hear His Holy Word, and to ask for ourselves and all those uh, those things that are necessary for our life and salvation. So worship is not just something that we is part of what we do on Sunday morning, but actually worship is much more, much bigger, and much more comprehensive. In that worship actually defines our lives. Uh, worship is something that we do uh, all the time uh, in our own lives, and so worship is not actually. Uh, Standing and singing praise, although it is in part, uh, or even giving verbal praise uh, to someone, but actually it's from the Old English word worship, to give God his due, to give him his worth. And how do we do that? We do that through doing these things, acknowledging who God is, but above all, the great biblical witness, and you see this especially in Hebrews, uh, and you also see this in Romans 12, is that worship is actually obedience to God. To worship God is to obey God. Now, we've lost a little bit of this because in the old uh, prayer book, which is really the prayer book, uh, and up until 1928 in our American prayer book, uh, in the wedding service, does anybody remember what the husband said when he put the ring on his wife's finger? With this ring, I thee wed, And with all my worldly goods, I thee endow. And with my body, I thee worship. Which means what? Now, I mean, of course, all the bad press goes to the whole, the wife taking the vow to obey her husband. But, ladies, I mean, if your husband was going to stay true, with my body, I thee worship, that's easy. The husband is saying, I'm giving everything to you. And I mean, even Lauren and I, when we have the conversation, if, uh, if Lauren and I got sideways with one another and, uh, and she just said, so long turkey, uh, because of my vow to her, guess who gets it all? With all my worldly goods, I thee endow. Right? I meant it uh, when I said it. And so that I've actually said, with my body, I thee worship, my whole life is given over to you. Which means, yes, there are times which I'll praise my wife. Lauren, you look lovely this morning. Uh, and um, that meatloaf was fantastic. You know, whatever it might be. Uh, uh, so it's giving, uh, I'm praising her. Um, I am, uh, I'm listening to her. Uh, I'm, uh, really, my life is built around her. Right? That's why the Bible talks about the two becoming one. And so that I actually have no concept of myself apart from Lauren. And that's what marriage is supposed to be, an image to the world of that oneness that we have with God. And so worship, yes, is standing and praising and singing and all that, uh, but it's much more significant and and much greater than that. And I use the example in the booklet, and I used it uh, recently, of the church in the neighborhood where there was no parking, and so the church began to grow, and the folks who were there on Sunday mornings began to park illegally, dro- uh, blocking the neighbor's driveways and, uh, and double parking other people. And the neighbors had had enough of it and called the police, and so the police started writing the tickets, and of course, the people came out of church very distressed, and what was their excuse? But we were inside the church worshiping God. But what would have been the greater worship? What would have been giving God his worth? Sitting in the pew and doing all that we do on Sunday mornings, even here at the Advent, or actually loving the neighbor and not blocking their driveway? That's actually the worship. All right, so that's Jesus at the woman at the well in John chapter 4 when Jesus encounters the woman there. And remember, she tries to turn it into a Sunday school conversation, but what does Jesus want to talk about? He wants to talk about her love life. So if you remember, uh, Jesus says, give me something to drink and says, uh, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, etc., cetera, et cetera, a spring of uh, living water welling up within them. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Save me the trip. And Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not even your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Uh, misunderstanding of what worship is. Because what is she thinking about worship? It's where you have it and the form and the direction and all that stuff. And Jesus says, No, 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 no. It's actually not an isolated time on Sunday or in this case, Saturday. It's actually God is demanding all of you to worship Him in spirit and truth, which means to give yourself wholly over to Him and have your body be a living sacrifice. Have your body be the worship service to God and so when we talk about worship it's very difficult but the way we use it here in our visioning process we are talking about basically what we do on Sunday mornings and throughout uh, the week and by that I mean throughout the week that the Advent really is a whole bunch of churches under one umbrella I mean we are one church but I mean how many of you have ever been to a 730 service How many of you have been to a 9 o'clock? How many of you have been to an 11 o'clock? A 5 o'clock? A Thursday morning? Well, for some of you, uh, never the twain shall meet. Uh, And one of the interesting things that happens is, you may know this, the Sunday after Christmas, rather than having Sunday school, we have a coffee hour in Klingman for us to spend time with. And it's the most awkward hour of the year at the Advent. (laughs) Why? Because you tell people if you don't recognize somebody, go up and say good morning and introduce yourself. And so you go up, hi, I'm Andrew Pearson. I'm so glad you're here at the Advent. How is this your first Sunday? No, I've been going to the Advent for 30 years. (laughs) So you feel like an idiot uh, asking that question, but how is it that person has gone there for 30 years and you for however many years and you've never met them? They go to a different church. They go to the Advent, they just go to a different church service. Uh, And we understand the church uh, as the Bible talks about it, which is two or three gathered together in the name of Jesus uh, and having a ministry centered or a service centered around His Word. So if you are in a small group Bible study, that's church. If you're in a small group at Overeasy and you're opening up your Bibles and getting into God's Word together, that, by the Bible, Bible standards, is a church. And so you see, we do church a lot uh, around here. But we really do want to stop and take a look and say, well, how do we do church? Do we have that understanding that even our small group Bible studies are church? But even so, Sunday morning is unique. And what makes Sunday morning unique? Because frankly, you can do all these things that I've, you can render thanks. You can set forth His most worthy praise, you can hear His holy word, and you can ask for yourself and for others those things that are necessary for life and salvation. Uh, you can do that in your car on the way to work, right? So what makes Sunday mornings different? So I knew you'd get it right. That's right. We Kelly Siebels. Did my wife feed you that answer? No, I knew you'd get it. Uh, That's right. We come together. We actually come together as the body of Christ uh, to do these things together. And that's not something that we can do uh, throughout the week. And so there's absolutely a verticality to worship, right? that there are things that that are directed toward God. Like when we pray, we pray to who? God, right? Uh, And then there are things actually that are directed from God to us, like what? Reading of the Bible, Holy Communion, things like that. Uh, and then there are actually, if you were to keep track of the service, this is the thing that would dominate the service things that are between us, the actual horizontal nature of our gatherings this morning uh, or any uh, Sunday morning. So actually, you, you read some of the hymns that we sing are, um, are directed toward uh, the Lord. Uh, But more often than not, uh, the hymns that we sing are actually, we're singing our faith to one another. We're joining our voices and testifying to one another. So, um, uh, Fairest Lord Jesus, um, that hymn is mainly us talking to one another about how wonderful the Lord Jesus is, or the one that I often use, uh, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Are you going to sing that to Jesus? No, you're singing it to one another. Now, that doesn't discount the verticality, but it means that we cannot discount the horizontal nature of our gatherings together on Sunday morning. And so because of that, we wanted to take a real look at how uh, we organize uh, our gatherings. And this is something that we've always done, and we really don't need a vision process to do this. So um, I... uh, was listening to the St. Thomas uh, Fifth Avenue Choir of Men and Boys that came here about two years ago. And it was really, really lovely. And the girls um, uh, just don't appreciate Latin, and so they were out in the rector's garden. uh, And I was sitting in the Laban listening, which is actually the best place to listen. It's a really wonderful place to listen, and the the chairs are very comfortable there. And while I'm listening, I noticed over the, the door to come into our nave was a brass plaque that said, please be quiet, exclamation point. And I thought that was kind of an oxymoron. Uh, but, uh, but I thought, you know, I don't think that we ought to be irreverent. Uh, but then I realized, you know, why would we put a plaque up like that? Well, if we think, as one of my, uh, a church recently sent me their uh, parish profile to look at, not for a job, but just to give them my feedback. And in the first sentence I wrote back, I said, you're doomed. I said, what do you mean we're doomed? I said, your first sentence says, this is God's house, talking about your church building. I said, that's not God's house. Uh, Our church buildings are not the temple of the Old Testament. Uh, That's not where God especially dwells. Where does God dwell? Amongst His people. We're the spiritual stones that will one day be made into a temple, Uh, and God dwells uh, within us. Now our building has been set aside for a very specific purpose, uh, and God is with us in uh, the midst of that. Uh, But uh, if we think that this is God's temple, uh, yeah, you're going to be really quiet. Uh, You're really not going to want to talk to your neighbor, right? It's going to be really just you uh, and God. And you're actually going to forsake what the New Testament talks about, what our gatherings uh, should look like. And so I tore the plaque down. uh, And now I put it up in our house so that the girls (laughs) will be quiet. Um, For that is God's temple. But we are, so we're looking at things like that. So what is it that we, when we come together, we come together as a family. We're, we're gathering together as, as a family. And so it actually is okay. You should be respectful because I like to pray in, in the pew before the service starts. And so you probably shouldn't go over and elbow them while they're kneeling and say, Roll Tide, you know, or, or War Eagle. Uh, yeah, don't do that. But at the same time, it's really okay uh, to say good morning in the building. Uh it's, it's okay to say, how are you? Can I, I mean, anything I can pray for you but It really is okay because you're gathered together as a family. I mean, think about what it would be like if you gathered your family together for Thanksgiving and you said, it really is just about me and the turkey, and, uh, and so please don't talk to me. It would be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. So, uh, but not just that, even the innards of our services. So some of the things that we've, we've changed e- since I've been uh, dean here at the Advent actually have taken us a more, in a more traditional direction. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a conservative by disposition. I really, really don't like change. I flew off the handle about something uh, recently uh, because I didn't like the fact that they changed something. Uh, it could have been anything. But we are looking at so, for instance, one of the things that the choir now does at the 11 o'clock is they sing the psalm. I don't know if you've ever been. It's really, really beautiful. And I was willing to tell Fred, I said, Fred, you know, I, uh, let's, let's give it a shot and see how it goes. And it's, it's been really great, and it's really enhanced uh, the 11 o'clock service. Uh, and that's a very, very traditional thing uh, to do. So, we're constantly looking at those things uh, in our services. It used to be that um, children all the way up through the 6th grade would leave the 9 o'clock service to go to Sunday school. You know, when I was in 6th grade, I mean, can you imagine the 6th graders standing with the kindergartners? You, know, it, it, you remember 6th grade? Oh. So, uh, we said, you know what? Some of these kids are old enough and should be in the nave with us. And so, that's why 4th, 5th, and 6th graders now remain in the name. Sorry, parents who needed a break. I, really, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, but it really was important to us that they uh, were in, uh, in our midst. And there are also things that sometimes we do and we think that was a bad idea. Uh, and, um, and we need uh, to rethink uh, that uh, and how we do that. And so when we whiff Uh, on something, Uh, I do hope that you speak up and say, hey, I noticed that you changed this and it was a really lousy change. And if you've got a really good argument uh, as to why it was a lousy change, uh, that's really actually helpful uh, to us because even though uh, I'm responsible for ordering the worship life uh, of our congregations, uh, you actually have a responsibility to pastor me as well. And so, uh, what we did, and this made me very uneasy, I wasn't a part of this group. Uh, so that's the great irony in this. Is some, you know, really the kind of touchstone of all that we do around here is Sunday mornings, and I wasn't a part of this group because I really wanted to, um, to hear what others had to say. And so, what uh, this group came up with is, is that we will hold the gospel at the center, rooting our worship in the English Reformation, making it always accessible and hospitable. Uh, hospitality has been uh, uh, something that we've been uh, talking about since the time of Larry Gibson. Uh, I found some old vision documents. Larry was constantly doing this kind of stuff and, uh, and hospitality was at the fore uh, but also making it accessible which is the reason why we switched uh, to putting uh, almost everything uh, in our bulletin uh, so that the newcomers Uh, would uh, feel as if they could actually follow along and not need a Tibetan Sherpa to navigate our Sunday services because they are complicated, and they do throw you off. I mean, I would challenge you to go to another church on Sunday morning, especially another Episcopal church, and actually see how well you do. I mean, Lauren and I, uh, her brother and his wife just had their baby baptized at the Maronite Catholic Church uh, over by the UAB baseball field part of it was in Syriac. I mean, I didn't know whether we were coming or going. And, and Lauren's like, what's happening now? Like, I don't know. I think we're going to eat kebabs. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, who knows what's happening? And now the baby's naked and the baby's in the water. And oh, gosh, someone called the lifeguard. I mean, it was like, we really didn't know how it was all going to end. And then it just kind of, we paraded around the church with the baby. And then it just kind of ended. And I said, well, let's, then we went and ate, ate hummus. That's what happened. <laughs> it was really wonderful, but there was no way actually for us to enter into it. I mean, and they actually had a book that, I kid you not, was this thick. And, uh, and it was all over the place. And we actually couldn't engage in the worship service because we had no idea what was going on. And so eliminating uh, that barrier. But if you have your little uh, trifold, the priorities and plannings, This actually outlines what has come out of this committee and what we'll be working toward uh, because there will be action groups uh, that address each of these things and talk about how this might be implemented in the life of the church. Bless you. So one, establish a strong culture of welcoming and hospitality in our Sunday worship services with a leadership team drawn from clergy, staff, and lay leaders, which simply means how can we be really hospitable to the people who are coming to our church? How can we welcome them in? And that we're actually going to be diligent about that work. Two, uh, work with the children's ministry to explore providing nursery and Christian ed resources for younger children so that families with those children can easily worship either at the 9 or the 11 a.m. I mean, One of the things we think about a lot around here, and you might see this is one of the threads that runs through everything, we've got space problems. Uh, Our nursery's never been fuller, and so we need to figure out uh, how we're going to try to do that and so one of the ways of doing that because and I'll say this a lot throughout the rest of this visioning process is that we cannot let our building dictate our mission so if we think look the building's full things must be going really well are we satisfied with that or oh well you know the nursery is what it is there's not much we can do about it I guess we'll just have to turn, our, turn the children away well, that would be nonsense and so One of the ways in which we can do that in-house is to begin to sort of structure our Christian ed program for our little ones so that the 11 o'clock becomes more of an option for people with children that might actually prefer the 11 o'clock service. Because right now, at one point in time, we decided to make the 9 o'clock service the one where if you had children, that's where you went, right? And you pretty much do right now. So we're looking at that prayerfully discuss options and develop plans for an additional fourth Sunday morning service in keeping with the Advent's identity accompanied by modern instrumentation, offering another option to our present services with traditional instrumentation. Dramatic pause. <laughs> so this is something that has been going on since the time of Paul Zoll. And the, the leadership of the Advent has always said over the past nearly 20 years, yes. Let's look at adding a new service with modern instrumentation, but it feels like the advent. It's not, you know, whom shenanana who stole my Honda and smoke machines and my hair and jeans, and although these are write these down. Uh, It's not that at all. Um, If you've uh, been to the five o'clock service, uh, in some ways that service is more traditional than our morning services, especially the way that the liturgy. Uh, is, is set up. But the big impediment to starting a service like this has been what? Space. Where in the world uh, do we have it? And again, not letting our building uh, determine uh, our, our mission, uh, we're, we're going to work on this and see if we can't find a way forward. Now, there's been some fear, and this kind of alludes to communication, that somehow we're going to take one of the morning services that currently exists in the nave and blow it up. It's not our intention. Uh, That's not our intention at all. Uh, In fact, uh, the plan is to not have this service in the nave uh, because why would you want to reinvent the wheel? We have three uh, really viable services, the 739 and the 11, already uh, in uh, the nave. Now, as a footnote to that, let me just say this. It would be foolish and bad stewardship if we had a service at the advent, regardless of what time it was, that if it dwindled down to nothing, that we wouldn't do something about it. And that's a really hard decision because you may already know this great truth. It takes guts to shoot a dead horse. And uh, and so our noonday service on Wednesday, that was one of the hardest decisions I had to make to not do that noonday communion service anymore. But there were multiple times when we would show up and the clergy person would be the only one there or maybe one or two people. Uh, it really didn't have... Uh, the critical mass to move forward. And so we realized, you know, wouldn't it be better for the clergy to lead a Bible study during that time or to take individuals out? If there's only one or two, why don't you grab one or two people and take them out to lunch and actually have spiritual conversations for an hour? Uh, And so that was a a real loss uh, for me. Uh, But we also have to think of, uh, in terms of stewardship and using our resources wisely now i'm going to leave time i'm going to stop in just a couple minutes to leave time for questions so hold your questions and then fourthly uh, explore uh, explore expanding our facilities to provide space for both an additional morning service and more robust fellowship possibly partnering with the advent episcopal school Uh, the school right now is going through uh, a similar process and they're looking at the possibility of developing the lot that is now the current parking lot on the corner of fifth and Arrington. Uh, And I just want to hold up the school. Uh, Our relationship with the school is just going from strength to strength. Uh, Palmer Kennedy is doing such a remarkable job over there. And the ministry opportunity that is that school, what a mission field. And uh, we're doing more and more with the school and actually getting to the point where we're talking about doing things together, even building-wise. I really would like for the day to come when the lines are so blurred uh, that you actually don't know where you are uh, whether you 're in the, now, granted, everything looks the same. You know the famous story there 's an office downstairs, and when John Harper joined the staff down uh, on the lower level by the day school, John Harper was placed down there, and Paul Zaw came down to say, "Welcome to the team and They had a nice conversation, and Paul left and ten minutes later, there was a knock at the door, and John got up and opened the door, and Paul said, "How do I get out of here?" <laughs> uh, so it 's easy to blur them, but uh, uh, but to have uh, shared facilities and so actually whether we can do something with them on the 5th Avenue lot or whether uh, that frees up space in our current structures that we can remodel uh, to, to do something with uh, there. And then finally, real quick, communication. Uh, we'll communicate in ways that effectively enhance and further the ministry and purpose of the Advent. Evaluate our existing communication structure and recommend an optimal communication strategy supporting the Advent's ministry and purpose. This is one of the hardest things about the Advent. How do we communicate? I mean, communicate, communicate, communicate. And so someone very wise uh, once said that uh, just keep saying it over and over again until people start to roll their eyes because then they're getting it. And so how do we communicate Uh, and even uh, not relying so much on the website and on the adventurer, but also taking a hard look at the adventurer layout. I mean, I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you actually read more than just the clergy column and then the back memorials and thanksgivings? I didn't want to see (laughs) All you Pharisees raised... I'm just kidding. Um, So, I mean, how we struggle... It's a big problem except for those of you who are righteous uh, (laughs) to get people to read the innards because the number of times people come up to me and said, I had no idea, fill in the blank. And it's been in The Adventurer for months. We've done a dean's class on it. We've been announcing it from the steps and services. But that's not an excuse. We really need to work hard. And so the recommendation here is that we actually get somebody to come in and help us uh, understand how we can more effectively communicate. And, I mean, I think the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And uh, although we came up with most of the content, uh, just how attractive and wonderful uh, these are. And even uh, the bulletin that we use on Sunday morning, uh, a lot of this uh, was because we had uh, the humility to say, We don't know what we're doing. And so can someone please help us understand how to do this better? And so that's how we got this, and that's how we got this. Because we actually, even though the Advent is a really great place, uh, for us to actually uh, do a little inventory and realize we need help uh, in certain areas and uh, to not let uh, the size of our congregation be an excuse. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna open it up for questions about uh, any details uh, or uh, if you just uh, want to make a comment or if you even have a concern, that would be fine. Okay, everybody's on board, great. (laughs) Shannon, thank you. Uh, I, I only use little cheap phones that are mobile. But does the Advent publish a calendar onto mobile phones? I don't know. No, so that is one of the things that we're, we're dealing with because on the one hand, we have a number of people in, uh, in our congregation who want to stay on paper, and rightfully so. They, they don't want to get emails. They don't want to read the Adventurer online. They want to get the paper and have it. And I'm actually one of those people because I can tack it up to the bulletin board in our house uh, next to the uh, other 20-year-old adventurers that are up there, and uh, and it's easier access for me. Uh, but we are looking for more ways uh, to be more um, accessible technologically. Things like uh, the calendar, the calendar that for some reason is showing up on a mobile phone is not the full calendar, and we're trying to work through that bug. Uh, but also things uh, like being able to to be able to to give money to the church through an app, Uh, things like that, which is a brave new world for the Advent. I mean, we just gave up counting money in shekels about a month ago. (laughs) All
0: right. I have two questions. So um, is point number two, is that going to be contemplated for the 5 o'clock service, like children's ministry and things like that at the 5?
1: Yeah, it's right now. It's not. That's always been a problem with the five. But what we're finding, and this is manifesting itself, is the five o'clock is doing their own sort of level of Christian education through these forums, and it is addressed to not only the people who are there, but the people who you would want to be there. And uh, and so, uh, for lack of a better word, I mean, I, I mean this in the nicest way possible. I mean, the five o'clock has a hipster vibe to it, and uh, and so. Uh, if you do have children, I think that, that we would want you to gravitate toward the morning services. And so at this point, there's no uh, contemplating doing a, um, a Christian ed component. In fact, what we're seeing at the 5 o'clock are those who do bring their children aren't even putting them in the nursery. They're keeping them in the actual service. So that's not a, a plan afoot. But again, this kind I mean, of stuff... I I just
0: ask because it's something I personally would be interested in.
1: Well, we don't care about individuals around here.
0: <laughs> I, just, I got a lot of people.
1: I got sheep to look after. Not, uh, no, it, it is. But what we're what we are hoping is is doing something in the morning that is a little bit more along the lines of a five o'clock would offer folks, uh, because one there are people here who want something like that, uh, but also two, it's a huge evangelistic opportunity in Birmingham. I mean, the number of people who uh, who would love to come to a service that is like the Advent. Uh, but has more uh, modern instrumentation. And we use that language very carefully because uh, the music is very important. And so, uh, honestly, most of the music is going to be old hymns reset to new music. Uh, So it's not, uh, and now they're in old hymns that have great tunes. But have you ever read through the hymnal and thought, this is a great hymn, but the music is terrible? Um, Well, we're going to rewrite the music to it. Thank you.
0: Um, my second thing I'm just curious about, and this maybe would be better as an email, but one thing, as a parent of a, you know, first grader, I remember growing up in an Episcopal church, going through a communion class. I feel, as a parent, I'm pretty unclear about children in communion. I mean, right now, it's kind of a non-issue because they leave. Yes. But that's just something, personally, I have a lot of questions about and you could just speak to that
1: That'd in, in 20 seconds yeah um so Mark and did a class on children and communion about two years ago and so that's a good thing to listen to uh, but um you're right the advent has basically dodged the bullet uh because we send uh the kids out so that is becoming more of an issue at five o'clock and you know you, you really don't realize that you have to answer the question until you're headed up to the communion rail with your child and you think Ah. So, um, short answer, if you're struggling on whether to determine your children should receive communion or not, here's the threshold. Are they articulating belief in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are they putting their trust in them? If they are, they're welcome to receive. Now, some people say, well, they should be able to articulate what's really happening up at the table. Can you? <laughs> Is that really where we want to go with that? Um so, uh, so it's, it's a sacrament for Christians. And so if they're believers, uh, they're welcome. Uh, and a lot of parents don't want them to have the wine, so they just take the bread, and that's perfectly acceptable. Um, if you want them uh, to partake of the cup, I would recommend intincting, dipping, and not letting them, you know, boom shakalaka. Uh, you know, that, that could be dangerous. So, um, and that's when social services shows up at the Advent. So that's the short answer. I'm so excited about the devotional. Do you want to spend us a few yes, minutes Yes, thank you minute? so much. Yeah, so the devotional, uh, uh, Adventers got together and did this, and it's uh, starting next Sunday on the 24th. I uh, would love for you to begin to walk through this uh, as a church. So on the very first page, week one on page eight, um, uh, we start with worship, and there's just a little, little blurb, a little devotional of uh, revela- uh, uh, scripture reading, a verse or two, and then, uh, and then a prayer. And, uh, and then uh, the same thing on Monday. And this goes through uh, six weeks, pretty much 40 days uh, is, um, is the way we're looking at this. And so this really, uh, I think, directs us and guides us and also gets us on, on the same page and, and gets us to really start thinking about these, these various areas uh, of, of ministry. And, again, some of it, you know, again, if people say, well, this is just an end run to do something else, I mean, some of what came up in the, in the, uh, in the visioning process, we realized we don't need to wait for this to end. We need to do this right now. For instance, the sound system. Right? That, was, that was something we just needed to do and to bite the bullet on. Okay, so no parking lot meetings, uh, don't talk about me, talk to me, uh, and um, uh, so if you do have issues and you're a little bit concerned, please do call me, uh, call me and we'll talk, and uh, I found that uh, my job as a pastor is to, uh, is to redistribute pain, and so, uh, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Okay, let's pray before we get out of here. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Advent. It really is a remarkable place, not because of us, but because of you. And Lord, uh, your Spirit has worked so mightily uh, for nearly 150 years here and uh, continues uh, to work and to be alive in this place of calling people to new life in your Son, Jesus, and to transforming and changing us. And so, Lord, don't leave us to ourselves, uh, but Lord, um, come and intervene and continue to guide us and lead us. Uh, as you have done in this place for so long, that we might go from strength to strength for our good, but above all, for the honor of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.